Chapter Twelve, Part Two of Salambo by Gustave Flaubert. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Twelve, Part Two. As if all this were not sufficient misfortune at one time, news came that the Sardinian mercenaries had crucified their general, seized the strongholds and everywhere slaughtered those of canaanitish race the roman people threatened the republic with immediate hostilities unless she gave twelve hundred talents with the whole of the island of sardinia they had accepted the alliance of the barbarians and they despatched to them flat-bottomed boats laden with meal and dried meat the carthaginians pursued these and captured five hundred men but three days afterwards a fleet coming from Byzacena and conveying provisions to carthage fonded in a storm the gods were evidently declaring against her upon this the citizens of hipposaritis under pretence of an alarm made hanno's three hundred men ascend their walls then coming behind them they took them by the legs and suddenly threw them over the ramparts some who were not killed were pursued and went and drowned themselves in the sea utica was enduring the presence of soldiers for magdasin had acted like hanno and in accordance with his orders and deaf to hamilcar's prayers was surrounding the town as for these they were given wine mixed with mandrake and were then slaughtered in their sleep at the same time the barbarians arrived magdasin fled the gates were opened and thenceforward the two turian towns displayed an obstinate devotion to their new friends and an inconceivable hatred to their former allies this abandonment of the punic cause was a counsel and a precedent hopes of deliverance revived populations hitherto uncertain hesitated no longer everywhere there was a stir the suffet learned this and he had no assistance to look for he was now irrevocably lost he immediately dismissed narhavas who was to guard the borders of his kingdom as for himself he resolved to re-enter carthage in order to obtain soldiers and begin the war again the barbarians posted at hipposaritis perceived his army as it descended the mountain where could the carthaginians be going hunger no doubt was urging them on and distracted by their sufferings they were coming in spite of their weakness to give battle but they turned to the right they were fleeing they might be overtaken and all be crushed the barbarians dashed in pursuit of them the carthaginians were checked by the river it was wide this time and the west wind had not been blowing 
some crossed by swimming and the rest on their shields they resumed their march night fell they were out of sight the barbarians did not stop they went higher to find a narrower place the people of tunis hastened thither bringing those of utica along with them their numbers increased at every bush and the carthaginians as they lay on the ground could hear the tramping of their feet in the darkness from time to time barca had a volley of arrows discharged behind him to check them and several were killed when day broke they were in the ariana mountains at the spot where the road makes a bend then mato who was marching at the head thought that he could distinguish something green on the horizon on the summit of an eminence then the ground sank and obelisks domes and houses appeared it was carthage he leaned against a tree to keep himself from falling so rapidly did his heart beat he thought of all that had come to pass in his existence since the last time that he had passed that way it was an infinite surprise it stunned him then he was transported with joy at the thought of seeing salambo again the reasons which he had for execrating her returned to his recollection but he very quickly rejected them quivering and with straining eyeballs he gazed at the lofty terrace of a palace above the palm-trees beyond eskmoun a smile of ecstasy lighted his face as if some great light had reached him he opened his arms and sent kisses on the breeze and murmured come come a sigh swelled his breast and two long tears like pearls fell upon his beard what stays you cried spendius make haste forward the suffet is going to escape us but your knees are tottering and you are looking at me like a drunken man he stamped with impatience and urged matto his eyes twinkling as at the approach of an object long aimed at ah we have reached it we are there i have them he had so convinced and triumphant an air that matto was surprised from his torpor and felt himself carried away by it these words coming when his distress was at its height drove his despair to vengeance and pointed to food for his wrath he bounded upon one of the camels that were among the baggage snatched up its halter and with the long rope struck the stragglers with all his might running right and left alternately in the rear of the army like a dog driving a flock at this thundering voice the lines of men closed up even the lame hurried their steps the intervening space lessened in the middle of the isthmus the foremost of the barbarians were marching in the dust raised by the carthaginians 
the two armies were coming close and were on the point of touching but the malqua gate the tagaste gate and the great gate of Kamon threw wide their leaves the punic square divided three columns were swallowed up and eddied beneath the porches soon the mass being too tightly packed could advance no further pikes clashed in the air and the arrows of the barbarians were shivering against the walls hamilcar was to be seen on the threshold of Kamon. he turned around and shouted to his men to move aside he dismounted from his horse and pricking it on the croup with the sword which he held sent it against the barbarians it was a black stallion which was fed on balls of meal and would bend its knees to allow its master to mount why was he sending it away was this a sacrifice the noble horse galloped into the midst of the lances knocked down men and entangling its feet in its entrails fell down then rose again with furious leaps and while they were moving aside trying to stop it or looking at it in surprise the carthaginians had united again they entered and the enormous gate shut echoing behind them it would not yield the barbarians came crushing against it and for some minutes there was an oscillation throughout the army which became weaker and weaker and at last ceased the carthaginians had placed soldiers on the aqueduct they began to hurl stones balls and beams spendius represented that it would be best not to persist the barbarians went and posted themselves further off all being quite resolved to lay siege to carthage the rumour of the war however had passed beyond the confines of the punic empire and from the pillars of hercules to beyond serene shepherds mused on it as they kept their flocks and caravans talked about it in the light of the stars this great carthage mistress of the seas splendid as the sun and terrible as a god actually found men who were daring enough to attack her her fall even had been asserted several times and all had believed it for all wished it the subject populations the tributary villages the allied provinces the independent hordes those who execrated her for her tyranny or were jealous of her power or coveted her wealth the bravest had very speedily joined the mercenaries the defeat at the makaras had checked all the rest at last they had recovered confidence had gradually advanced and approached and now the men of the eastern regions were lying on the sand hills of clypea on the other side of the gulf as soon as they perceived the barbarians they showed themselves they were not libyans from the neighbourhood of carthage who had long composed the third army but nomads from the table-land of barca bandits from cape fiscus and the promontory of derna 
from fazana and marmarica they had crossed the desert drinking at the brackish wells walled in with camel's bones the zuaeses with their covering of ostrich feathers had come on quadrigae the garamantians masked with black veils rode behind on their painted mares others were mounted on asses onages zebras and buffaloes while some dragged after them the roofs of their sloop-shaped huts together with their families and idols they were ammonians with limbs wrinkled by the hot water of the springs atarantians who curse the sun troglodytes who bury their dead with laughter beneath the branches of trees and the hideous oceans who eat grasshoppers the acurmachidae who eat lice and the vermilion painted gusantians who eat apes all were ranged along the edge of the sea in a great straight line afterwards they advanced like tornadoes of sand raised by the wind in the centre of the isthmus the throng stopped the mercenaries who were posted in front of them close to the walls being unwilling to move then from the direction of ariana appeared the men of the west the people of the numidians in fact narhavas governed only the massilians and moreover as they were permitted by custom to abandon their king when reverses were sustained they had assembled on the zainus and then had crossed it at hamilcar's first movement first were seen running up all the hunters from malethot baal and garaphos clad in lions skins and with the staves of their pikes driving small lean horses with long manes then marched the getulians in cuirasses of serpent's skin then the pharusians wearing lofty crowns made of wax and resin and the conians macarians and tilabarians each holding two javelins and a round shield of hippototomus leather they stopped at the foot of the catacombs among the first pools of the lagoon but when the libyans had moved away the multitude of the negroes appeared like a cloud on a level with the ground in the place which the others had occupied they were there from the white harush the black harush the desert of ogila and even from the great country of agazumba which is four months journey south of the garamantians and from regions further still in spite of their red wooden jewels the filth of their black skin made them look like mulberries that had been long rolling in the dust they had bark thread drawers dried grass tunics fellow deer muzzles on their heads they shook rods furnished with rings and brandished cow's tails at the end of sticks after the fashion of standards howling the while like wolves
then behind the numidians marusians and getulians pressed the yellowish men who are spread through the cedar forest beyond tagir they had cat-skin quivers flapping against their shoulders and they led in leashes enormous dogs which were as high as asses and did not bark finally as though africa had not been sufficiently emptied and it had been necessary to seek further fury in the very dregs of the races men might be seen behind the rest with beast-like profiles and grinning with idiotic laughter wretches ravaged by hideous diseases deformed pygmies mulattoes of doubtful sex albinos whose red eyes blinked in the sun stammering out unintelligible sounds they put a finger into their mouths to show that they were hungry the confusion of weapons was as great as that of garments and peoples there was not a deadly invention that was not present from wooden daggers stone hatchets and ivory tridents to long sabres toothed like saws slender and formed of a yielding copper blade they handled cutlasses which were forked into several branches like antelopes horns bills fastened to the end of ropes iron triangles clubs and bodkins the ethiopians from the bambotus had little poisoned darts hidden in their hair many had broad pebbles in bags others empty-handed chattered with their teeth this multitude was stirred with a ceaseless swell dromedaries smeared all over with tar-like streaks knocked down the women who carried their children on their hips the provisions in the baskets were pouring out in walking pieces of salt parcels of gum rotten dates and guru nuts were crushed under foot and sometimes on vermin-covered bosoms there would hang a slender cord supporting a diamond that the satraps had sought an almost fabulous stone sufficient to purchase an empire most of them did not even know what they desired they were impelled by fascination or curiosity and nomads who had never seen a town were frightened by the shadows of the walls the isthmus were now hidden by men and this long surface whereon the tents were like huts amid an inundation stretched as far as the first lines of the other barbarians which were streaming with steel and were posted symmetrically upon both sides of the aqueduct the carthaginians had not recovered from the terror caused by their arrival when they perceived the siege engines set by the tyrian towns coming straight towards them like monsters and like buildings with their masts arms ropes articulations capitals and carapaces sixty caraballistas eighty onagers thirty scorpions fifty tolenos 
twelve rams and three gigantic catapults which hurled pieces of rock of the weight of fifteen talents masses of men clinging to their bases pushed them on at every step a quivering shook them and in this way they arrived in front of the walls but several days were still needed to finish the preparation for the siege the mercenaries taught by their defeats would not risk themselves in useless engagements and on both sides there was no haste for it was well known that a terrible action was about to open and that the result of it would be complete victory or complete extermination carthage might hold out for a long time her broad walls presented a series of re-entrant and projecting angles an advantageous arrangement for repelling assaults nevertheless a portion had fallen down in the direction of the catacombs and on dark nights lights could be seen in the dens of malqua through the disjointed blocks these in some places overlooked the top of the ramparts it was here that the mercenaries wives who had been driven away by macho were living with their new husbands on seeing the men again their hearts could stand it no longer they waved their scarfs at a distance then they came and chatted in the darkness with the soldiers through the cleft in the wall and one morning the great council learned that they had all fled some had passed through between the stones others with greater intrepidity had let themselves down with ropes at last spendius resolved to accomplish his design the war by keeping him at a distance had hitherto prevented him and since the return to before carthage it seemed to him that the inhabitants suspected his enterprise but soon they diminished the sentries on the aqueduct there were not too many people for the defence of the walls the former slave practised himself for some days in shooting arrows at the flamingos on the lake then one moonlit evening he begged matto to light a great fire of straw in the middle of the night while all his men were to shout at the same time and taking zarxas with him he went away along the edge of the gulf in the direction of tunis when on a level with the last arches they returned straight towards the aqueduct the place was unprotected they crawled to the base of the pillars the sentries on the platform were walking quietly up and down towering flames appeared clarions rang and the soldiers on vendette believing that there was an assault rushed away in the direction of carthage one man had remained he showed black against the background of the sky the moon was shining behind him and his shadow which was of extravagant size looked in the distance like an obelisk proceeding across the plain 
they waited until he was in position just before them zarxas seized his sling but whether from prudence or from ferocity spendius stopped him no the whiz of the bullet would make a noise let me then he bent his bow with all his strength resting the lower end of it against the great toe of his left foot he took aim and the arrow went off the man did not fall he disappeared if he were wounded we should hear him said spendius and he mounted quickly from story to story as he had done the first time with the assistance of a rope and a harpoon then when he had reached the top and was beside the corpse he let it fall again the balearian fastened a pick and a malay to it and turned back the trumpets sounded no longer all was now quiet spendius had raised one of the flagstones and entering the water had closed it behind him calculating the distance by the number of his steps he arrived at the exact spot where he had noticed an oblique fissure and for three hours until morning he worked in continuous and furious fashion breathing with difficulty through the interstices in the upper flagstones assailed with anguish and twenty times believing that he was going to die at last a crack was heard and a huge stone ricocheting on the lower arches rolled to the ground and suddenly a cataract an entire river fell from the skies on to the plain the aqueduct being cut through in the centre was emptying itself it was death to carthage and victory for the barbarians in an instant the awakened carthaginians appeared on the walls the houses and the temples the barbarians pressed forward with shouts they danced in delirium around the great waterfall and came up and wet their heads in it in the extravagance of their joy a man in a torn brown tunic was perceived on the summit of the aqueduct he stood leaning over the very edge with both hands on his hips and was looking down below him as though astonished at his work then he drew himself up he surveyed the horizon with a haughty air which seemed to say all that is now mine the applause of the barbarians burst forth while the carthaginians comprehending their disaster at last shrieked with despair then he began to run about the platform from one end to the other and like a chariot driver triumphant at the olympic games spendius distraught with pride raised his arms aloft End of chapter twelve